Welcome to the Stories She Sings, where we bring messages of biblical women to life through inspired songs. We hope this podcast will be a place of rest, refuge, and refreshing in the presence of God. Good morning. This is Karen Lynn Grant with the Stories She Sings. And today I am so happy to be here with you and to share with you another sequel, if you will, to the story before about the man at the well, and this with a whole new come from. I love to share about the woman at the well because I identify with her so deeply. I have a beautiful picture painting of her in my home, and I love this painting. I love this beautiful rendition of her at the well speaking to the Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, as I pondered her before beginning this recording, I asked, what did you feel? How did it feel to be you to come to the well that day, to Jacob's well, known for uh, all of the ways that people would go there to court? And she came alone. And she was living with her fifth and had been married four times before. And the disciples were afar off a little bit. And the only person at the well that day was the Savior, Jesus Christ. She could tell that he was a Jew and she probably lowered her eyes as she moved her sandaled feet through the dust, through that deserty sand to the well. As she began to put down her water pot, Jesus spoke to her, and this was very unconventional for a Jewish man to speak to a Samaritan woman, and it was thoroughly against the laws of Samaria for a Samaritan woman to speak to a Jewish man. And he asked her to give him water to drink. He proceeds to tell her about her life. He tells her that she's had four husbands, that she's living with the fifth, that that he knows exactly what she's thirsting for, that she's thirsting for living water, water that will quench her deep thirst. I love this story. And I remember the first time that I really read it was while I was nursing Laura back to sleep while I was in my own troubled marriage. And in the middle of the night, as I read this story, I believe it was probably one of the first that I woke up to and saw that sweet little vignette of this woman speaking to the Savior and and asking him if he was a prophet and seeing her drop her water pots and run back to her city to communicate with her people that she had met the Savior, Jesus Christ, at the well. This morning, as I focused in upon her, I asked, what did you feel? What did you feel when you ran to tell your people? Did you think that they'd listen to you? Did did you think that they would scorn you? And it even tells us in Scripture that her people did not believe her. You know, why would they believe a woman who had been married so many times before? They probably didn't trust her judgment when it came to men, right? And so Jesus, out of his mercy, came to 
Samaria. And he spent three days with the people of Samaria and he performed miracles. And it even says in that, that all of the beautiful things that Jesus did for those people, if it were to be written in books, that there could hardly be enough books to contain the miracles that he performed in those three days. I love this story. I love that he came to support her, that he stepped forward to honor her, that he did not let her end up with egg on her face, so to speak, that he came to the people. And by the end of his little journey there and his mission to the people in Samaria, the people exclaimed, we believe for ourselves, not because you told us about him, but because we have experienced this man for ourselves, this Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, today, I wondered how she felt. And so I asked, and I felt those songwriting tingles that come when something is about to surge. And I would like to share this with you. It's not really a poem. It's not really a song. It's just the inaudible whisper that came deep within. And so I picked up my writing utensil and wrote, I used to fear to hold back for fear of stepping on someone's toes. Now I follow in his footsteps to where he is quietly leading me. I used to doubt that my voice was not good enough to tell my truth or to ever sing my song. Now I pray that his voice will speak through me to share good news with those who have ears to hear. I used to linger at the back of the multitudes content that I was merely there until he came towards me with an outstretched hand, whispering words that I can still hear echoing through the corridors of time. Come, follow me. I have a work that only you can do for me. I used to think it was prideful, vain, arrogant, perhaps selfish to put yourself out there. Now I know that there is only one who I must prove my love and loyalty to with my eye, single to his glory. You see, by the end of my life, I realized that it matters not if you are great in the eyes of a thousand men, but only if you are trusted by the one who made you exactly who you are, created you to be a living witness of all he is. There is only one who knows all that you can accomplish for his name, if only you will begin. You may not have ever known that I had fears inside my heart, just like yours, or that I always wondered when I would start to dare to dream the dream He dreamed first when he fashioned me to be who I am. I stopped to listen to him at the well. And when I heard him whispering and saw him smiling at me, my heart began to swell. He quenched my thirst with a burst of living water. I felt joy surging with fresh courage as it came flowing spilling into my parched and thirsting soul. And then I somehow knew that I only need to please him to be made whole. 
Those who truly know him do not fear him, for he delights in every good gift we have to offer him and to our fellow man. To him it is the same. So, my friend, do not fear, do not doubt. Simply, gently follow his lead. Walk confidently in his footsteps. Proceed in courage. Step forth in faith. It's time to be who you truly are. Hurry, come, follow him. There's no more time to waste. Make haste. As I downloaded those words today, I thought how wonderful it is as we begin to truly ponder these beautiful women who lived in New Testament time, who loved the Lord, who brought to him their weakness. I think as well of the mother of Jesus and the wedding at Cana today as I awoke, knowing today is Sunday, today is the day that I create the podcast, I wondered which woman would it be, knowing that I still have a few songs to share the stories of from my CD with perfumed oil. I thought of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and I thought of how she also had a weakness in her heart when she wondered how she was going to create and have more wine to offer at the wedding feast. But she knew her son. She knew his mission. She knew what he could do. And he performed at that wedding feast in Cana, his first public miracle. I don't believe it was his first miracle. I believe Mary, his mother, probably saw him perform many beautiful private miracles, but it was his first public miracle. And he performed that miracle of turning water into wine so that every person at that wedding feast could be filled. Now I turn that incident to liken it unto you and me. What is the weakness that we fear? What is the weakness that holds us back from sharing our gift with the multitude? What is the one thing that if you could ask the Lord to come and step inside your heart and create a miracle of water into wine for you, what would you ask him to do? For me, when this idea of a podcast was mentioned to me by a dear friend named Jim Beckstrom, when he said to me, Karen, you have so many stories and you have so many songs, you need to do a podcast about the stories behind the songs and what inspired you to write them. I thought, no, I never will do that. And as his words kept replaying over and over in my mind, and my husband and I began to pray about this and to ponder if this was something that I should do, my husband began to tell me, Karen, yes, this is something you need to do. 
And I continue to pray about it and to wrestle with it and to take it to the Lord. And again, I share with you that when I took it to the Lord, I told him, I don't have a multitude of followers. I have precious and few friends. I have those I love deeply and dearly. I have focused my life on cultivating relationships with one person at a time. Is there anybody that would really want to come and listen to a podcast? And as I knelt there after weeks and months had passed, I'm pondering this. And the words came to my mind. Even if you did it just for the one, even if the one was just me, Karen, would you do it for me? And I laughed and I told the Lord, yes, I will do it for you. We each have a fear that we can identify and bring to the Lord. We each have a weakness that by his grace and through our faith, this weakness can be made whole and it can become one of our greatest strengths. As we take each one of these weaknesses to the Savior Jesus Christ, we can make a list of them. And today, I hope that you brought your journal to this podcast. And as you have things come into your mind, what is it that you fear most? What are your self-doubts? Let's identify them and cast them out. That's what I'm in the process of doing, and I'd love for you to do it with me. What do we think that we haven't been able to do because we haven't placed enough faith in the Savior Jesus Christ, perhaps we haven't turned that assignment over to Him. Perhaps we haven't asked Him to speak through us or to work through us or to sing through us or to do the polishing and the perfecting of a gift that may be a little tattered around the edges or have some sharp edges. Today I want to tell you the story of Vaughn J. Featherstone. I've mentioned in an earlier podcast that I didn't know what my gift was. And when I heard Vaughn J. Featherstone speaking out his talk that each one of us has been given a gift, I went to the Lord and I told the Lord, I don't know that I have one, but if I do, will you help me to find it? The storytelling, the story writing, the lullabies all began at that time. And later on, I moved to my grandmother's basement to take care of her after my grandfather died with my first husband. And little did I know that a recording studio was a couple of miles away, owned by Craig Kalin. Well, I had a friend who said, you know, you've written a few songs. Why don't you take a song to Craig Kalin and get it an instrumental put to it. And so I did. And that's another story of how I earned the money to do that and what happened next. But as these songs continued to pour like living water, and as the CDs one by one began to be created, first, His Perfect Love, then He Knew My Heart, which became 
with perfumed oil, then the morning light, then the lullabies, angel dreams, the prince of peace, the secret of joy, the calm psalm, the smile maker once upon divine, the heart wardrobe, and then dancing with angels, dancing with joy, enlightened journey. All of these CDs began to stack up. If you put them in a stack, they totaled 26 CDs. Then the healer's touch and divine essence, making it 28. Well, one day a dear friend of mine named Boyd Butler said, I'd like to take you to visit a friend of mine. Bring a bag and bring one of all your CDs I'd like for him to see these He didn't tell me where he was taking me, but he actually blindfolded me and put me in the car. And there I was with my bag full of 28 CDs. And when we got to a beautiful home in Sandy, Utah, he opened the door and escorted me out to the front steps. When we got to the front steps, he rang the doorbell and a woman came to the door and opened it. And Boyd said to her, Sister Featherstone, I have a friend who I would like to introduce to your husband, Vaughn J. Featherstone. This woman looked at Boyd and said, well, hello, Boyd. I'm happy to see you and happy to meet your friend. But Vaughn is in the middle of a football game, a BYU football game, and he will not be interrupted. But let me go check. And soon she came back and she said, well, you hit it right on the mark. It's halftime. Come on in. Vaughn will see you. We went in and Boyd introduced me to Vaughn Featherstone and said, Brother Featherstone, this woman here, she has a story for you about an impression that you made upon her life. And I'd like for her to share that with you. Brother Featherstone motioned me towards his recliner where he was reclining watching BYU football. He turned down halftime and there was a little stool and I sat down on it next to the arm of the chair. And then I spoke to him. Brother Featherstone, many, many years ago, I was in a very sad marriage and I was carrying a basket of laundry down the hall when Your voice came on a BYU devotional adjacent to where I was standing from my master bedroom. Every Tuesday at 11 o'clock, I always turned on the BYU devotional. But that particular Tuesday, I was carrying clean laundry to put away in my children's bedrooms. When I heard you say that every person who's been born onto this planet has been given a gift— And that we all have at least one. And if we don't know what it is, that we can go to the Lord and ask him. Well, Brother Featherstone, in that marriage, my husband was very depressed and I was not making him very happy. And so I was depressed. And so when I heard your voice, I knelt down over that basket of clean laundry and I began to pray, Lord, I do not know that I have a gift. And if I do, I do not know what it is. But Brother Featherstone said that even if we don't know what our gift is, that we can come unto thee and that you will begin to witness to each one of us the gift. And we each have at least one, he said. 
that we can bring and that you can teach us what it is and help us to polish it and to perfect it so that we can give it back to thee to share with the world. Brother Featherstone, I cried because I really didn't believe I had a gift. And Brother Featherstone looked at me compassionately and he said, you heard that talk? Nobody has ever mentioned that talk again to me. I remember saying that. That was years ago in 1987 at a BYU devotional. Nobody ever mentioned ever listening to that talk. I said, well, I heard it and it changed my life. Brother Featherstone encouraged me to go on. Well, after that, I began to awaken in the middle of the night and I began to write children's stories. And then came the children's lullabies. I had written songs as a 15-year-old girl. I'd had a beautiful experience. But after my marriage and going through my husband's depression with him, that gift seemed lost. I couldn't find it. It just wasn't in my heart to sing the song of redeeming love anymore. But after this beautiful talk that you gave, when the Lord began to reveal my gift to me, he revealed it in the form of stories for children and then lullabies for children and then lullabies about women in the scriptures and then songs, more songs, songs called Enlightened Journey, songs called Dancing with Angels, songs called Dancing in the Moment, a whole CD full of songs about Arise, Daughter Victorious. Brother Featherstone now had tears in his eyes. I put down the first CD into his open waiting hands, an angel song. He said, you're giving this to me? I said, yes, Brother Featherstone, this is my gift. I don't cook well, I don't can, I don't quilt. But the Lord showed me my gift and the gift was writing songs for Jesus like I had in my youth. And by the way, Brother Featherstone, when I was 19, I had written you a letter. I was worried about the world in which we live, and I was worried that I might succumb to temptation, and I wrote you a letter. And you had been a visiting authority in my ward in La Crescenta, California, in 1979. And at age 19, I wrote you a letter. And in your response to me, you promised me in the name of the Lord that I would not fall if I would keep all of the Lord's commandments. So you see, Brother Featherstone, you have a very special place in my heart. Well, Brother Featherstone remembered that letter as well. He remembered the letter that I had the note that I had stuffed into his pocket on a Sunday after listening to him speak when he shared about his youth and how he'd grown up with an alcoholic father and how he had overcome that generational pattern and had gone on to become a wonderful servant of the Lord. He remembered that little note that I'd put into his pocket with my address and the letter that he had written back to me. One by one, I took each one of the different CDs. 
out of that Walmart bag and place them on top of the next one sitting into sitting inside Brother Featherstone's hands until a tall tower of CDs, 28, was resting in the palms of his hands. You did all of this because of the talk that I gave about finding your gift and going to the Lord and asking him to accomplish something purposeful through you? I nodded, yes, Brother Featherstone, you changed my life. I was in a very unhappy marriage at the time, and since then I've gone through a divorce, but I took the songs with me, and it is my hope that I can give them back to the Lord so that he can bless those who are brokenhearted like I have experienced being brokenhearted, whether they're in a marriage or out of a marriage, whether they're single or, or missing and wanting to be married, all of these songs are songs about the atonement of Jesus Christ, Brother Featherstone. May I have them, he asked with tears streaming his cheeks. I gave Brother Featherstone a great big hug by, and a couple months later, I got a phone call from him inviting me to come to his mission farewell with his wife as he and his wife had been set apart to be the temple presidents in the Logan Temple. That was the last time I saw him. But I want to share with you how the prophecy of one man going out to many, many listeners might have fallen among many deaf ears. No one came back to say thank you but the one. I think about the 10 lepers that were healed by the Savior, Jesus Christ. All 10 of them were healed. All 10 of them went their way. And one came back to say thank you. And the Savior was grateful for that one who came back and returned to thank him for the beautiful miracle that he created for this man when his life changed from leper into wholeness. Perfect, pure, unblemished, unbruised, untorn, brand new body of flesh and blood and bone. Today I would like to share with you the song Water into Wine. The song I wrote in the first person from Mary, the mother of Jesus, point of view and perspective. What a sweet celebration it was for all the people in that multitude at that marriage to witness that miracle, the Savior's first miracle of turning that which was weak into something strong. And After we listen to this song, I will be back to share with you how we can apply this to our very own lives, how we can become strong, strengthened, brand new in the sight of God, and that if we do not know what our gift is, that if we feel that we are just a weak vessel, that the Lord can strengthen us to become a strong vessel 
And within that strong vessel, he can pour his strength and we can become good wine to feed multitudes. I'll be right back after we listen to Water into Wine. I was at the wedding feast a long, long time ago. I asked my son, he felt my need for the miracle. When water at his bidding was turned, to wine when that which was weak became divine what a sweet celebration a quiet joy for me to taste his first miracle to taste divinity he was god's son he had come turned water to into strength he made it divine his heart in that moment clearly spoke to me if I bring my weakness in humility saying here my son is my cup it is my mortal best thy strength turn it to godliness what a sweet celebration a joy for all to see when they tasted his miracle they sensed divinity who is this man who can turn water to wine who can turn a weakness into strength he must be divine What a sweet celebration A perfect joy for me When you taste of his miracle You taste divinity At the beginning of this new year, I am so excited that we can celebrate the good gifts of God, that we can celebrate the miracles of Jesus Christ, and that all it takes is a little bit of faith for us to go forward and to lay claim upon every good gift. When I was a little girl, my mother shared with me that she had had a special blessing wherein she was told, you may covet earnestly any good gift that you desire any spiritual gift that you desire from the hands of God. That never left me. And I remember thinking, that's such a great gift. I want to claim that gift as well. I love this scripture in Moroni 7, 28 verses, in Moroni 7, verses 28 through 31. 
for he hath answered the ends of the law, and he claimeth all those who have faith in him. And they who have faith in him will cleave unto every good thing. Wherefore, he advocateth the cause of the children of men, and he dwelleth eternally in the heavens. And because he hath done this, my beloved brethren, have miracles ceased? Behold, I say unto you, Nay, neither have angels ceased to minister unto the children of men. For behold, they are subject unto him to minister according to the word of his command, showing themselves unto them of strong faith and a firm mind in every form of godliness. And the office of their ministry is to call men unto repentance and to fulfill and to do the work of the covenants of the Father, which he hath made unto the children of men, to prepare the way among the children of men by declaring the word of Christ unto the chosen vessels of the Lord, that they may bear testimony of him. And then this following up scripture, have angels ceased to appear unto the children of men? Or has he withheld the power of the Holy Ghost from them? Or will he, so long as time shall last or the earth shall stand? For there shall no man upon the face of the earth be not saved. Behold, I say unto you, nay, for it is by faith that miracles are wrought, and it is by faith that angels appear and minister unto men. Wherefore, if these things have ceased to be unto the children of men, for it is because of unbelief, and all is vain. I am excited to know and to share with you today the testimony that we can come unto Christ that we can lay hold upon every good gift, that we can do an inventory of ourselves, of our fears, of our self-doubts at the beginning of this brand new year, that we can take that inventory to the Lord and we can ask Him to turn weak things into strong things, that whatever weakness we might have, whether it be an addiction or the fear of trying something new or starting a new goal and creating a new path for ourselves, that we can come unto Christ and we can begin anew, a new year, a new year in Christ, a new man in Christ, a new woman in Christ. If you, like me, do not know what your gift is, I urge you to come unto Christ to come and follow him. All of these women in the scriptures, in the New Testament, and in the Old Testament, as we get into this year and begin to share the stories behind each one of the songs that I have written about these women in the scriptures, be it a woman in the New Testament, the Old Testament, or even in the Book of Mormon, it is my hope and my prayer that just as I gained greater faith, greater courage, greater confidence to come under Christ and to ask him to help me to know my gift. I pray that I can leave that message with you and that you will also be encouraged to polish, to perfect, to ask, to inquire, to write the revelation down that the Lord gives to you as pertaining to your gift of the Spirit. I want to talk to you for a minute about the gift of insight. And I wrote this in my journal 
years ago. The sense of spiritual insight moves us from a physical, temporal level to a spiritual level. We can see the world as it is. Relying upon our eyes is replaced with relying upon the gift of spiritual insight. This becomes the gift of seeing God's children as He sees them. This is a spiritual gift, and it must be applied for. I was a young mother of four children when I learned about this gift. I'd had a very hard day and finally fell to my knees and said, Heavenly Father, this isn't much fun. Motherhood is hard. The words to a new lullaby began forming in my mind, and the impression came, I will help you to see your children through my eyes. I got up with a change of heart and wrote down the words that flowed into my mind. It was years later when I was urged by the Spirit to begin asking for spiritual gifts of not only radiating love and empathy through the windows of the soul, the eyes, but to begin asking for the gift of seeing my brothers and sisters as Christ sees them. I began asking for the gift of seeing the divinity in each and every person, seeing the divine in them, focusing upon the spirit child of God rather than the mere mortal in everyone that I would meet. This gift is one that is still developing. Months after beginning to pray for this spiritual gift, I was given a blessing and told in it, you have been requesting the gift of sight to see as your Father in heaven sees his children. This gift is now yours. Apply for it and use it for the benefit of all of my children. In my work as an emotional clearing specialist and generational healing work, this gift has become very precious to me. Coming into clearer spiritual vision and focus is very important when working with the brokenhearted, because at times when a person has gone through hard knocks, they come to see themselves as though they are the problem, as though they are the issue. And if you can help a person to see themselves as God sees them, they can have a new outlook on themselves. There are moments when I begin sensing the spirit of who I am working with, and that individual strengths, talents, gifts, and eternal worth to their Father in heaven. The gift of seeing them as God sees them becomes an even clearer gift, which is the gift of pure knowing. The gift of pure knowing is another spiritual gift, and it is the blessing and the ministering to Heavenly Father's children, whether it is your own little child or simply knowing the worth of the child of God in each person that you meet. And this must be prayerfully applied for as well. If our intention is to do good with the gifts of God and to turn our own weaknesses into strength by and through His grace, which is sufficient for our needs, why would He withhold his best gifts from each one of us. We are admonished to covet earnestly the best gifts. Maybe that gift is the gift of forgiveness for someone who has wronged you, and you can't seem to muster up the forgiveness all by yourself. Maybe it's the gift of creating, co-creating miracles with God in creating new avenues of income for yourself and for your families and loved ones. In DNC, 
110 verse 1, it says, The veil was taken from our minds, and the eyes of our understanding were opened. The gift of sight is evidenced as the veil can be lifted even for but a moment from our mortal minds, and we can see as God sees, we can know as God knows, we can understand and begin to feel as He understands and feels. Then we can proceed in our own lives doing as He would do. If we were permitted to see the divinity of our own little children, unmasked from this mortal body of dust and water, if all the clay were chipped away, we would behold an ancient spirit that is eons of years old. We would not only see the inherent and divine worth of our children as spiritual beings, we would be able to see ourselves mirrored in the reflection of the Savior's eyes, and we would see that truly to Him we have no weakness. We only believe that we are weak or that we have a weakness. And we would begin to remember our children and ourselves as the dear souls, as the spirit beings that we are, encompassed in the gift of divine worth. We would be able to remember our children and ourselves and our loved ones as those we loved and associated with in our pre-mortal lives. We would begin to remember them and thus come to know them, and we would perhaps even fall to our feet and kiss their feet, feeling a sense of true love and honor for who they truly are. C.S. Lewis said that if we could truly see and know one another, we would treat each other with utmost tenderness and the purest regard, unquote. Until we are willing to ask and amply receive these gifts of the Spirit, our eyes will remain blinded and remain unopened still. We will continue walking about as the blind at noonday. Why do we walk about as the blind when we could become spiritually enlightened about our own past, present, and future standing before God? This is the fullness of times, and the restored gospel is here upon the earth. It is spiritual noonday, yet too many of us are sleeping in, It's time to awaken spiritually and rise up and prepare for the night of darkness when no labor can be performed is quickly coming upon us. There is a beautiful scripture in Nephi that says, For behold, the day of this life is the time to prepare to meet God. The day of this life is the time for man to perform his labors. If we are sleeping in, On the eve of that night, will we be prepared for the morning of the first resurrection? Will we be prepared to come forth shining, radiant, beaming, and bright if we still have spiritual curlers in our hair and haven't yet taken our shower of light? I want to share with you my thanksgiving and my gratitude for the Savior Jesus Christ for the belief that I have in his atonement, that each one of us has a message to share, that each one of us has a gift to discover, to polish, to perfect, to take back to the Lord and ask, who is in need of my gift? Who is in need of this gift, Lord? And how can I consecrate it 
with an eye single to thy glory, that thy children, or that several of thy children, or a few of thy children, or one of thy children can receive this gift. I want to remind you of the beautiful, sweet celebration that Mary had when at that wedding feast, Christ turned something weak into something strong. When he turned a weakness into a strength by turning water into wine. And that we too can bring our small weakness to the Savior, whatever it might be. We can do an inventory on that. And we can bring it to the Lord. And maybe there's 10 things on our list or 15 things on our list that if we could just take those 15 weaknesses to the Lord and knock them off (laughs) with His help and with His grace one at a time, that we could begin to be the true divine essence, the fashion of the creation that He intended when He created both you and me. If each one of us, Von J. Featherstone said, that day in 1987 where my ears could hear, if each one of us would take our gift back to the Lord and polish it and perfect it through Him and with Him, and if every living human being would go forth and discover their gift and turn their weakness into a strength and turn their gift into a polished diamond with the Lord's help, we could change this world for the better. I urge you this day, as we learn of the women who came unto Christ in New Testament times, the woman at the well, the woman who poured perfumed oil on his feet, the woman who reached for his hem and touched it and was made whole from her 12-year issue of blood, the woman who was nearly stoned after having committed adultery, but who was not condemned and told to go thy way and sin no more by the Savior Jesus Christ. So many beautiful women, the woman who gave her last might, the widow, who gave her last might in the temple and was promised eternal life. So many beautiful stories that can help us to be encouraged in our faith in Jesus Christ. And now I would love to play another song for you today, a song to lift your hearts if you are ever feeling down and discouraged. This song is called His Unfailing Love. And this is a song that I wrote as I pondered those women in the scriptures and how and how after likening myself to some of their stories that i realized that what a beautiful gift it would be to be able to proclaim an unfailing love the greatest gift we could possibly have an unfailing love for the savior who has unfailing love for us and now i would like to play for you his unfailing love you heard there is a man whose love will last forever he will never fail you 
name can be spoken when your heart has just been broken. He will defend you. He will befriend you with his love. I know there is a man whose heart is filled with love that's endless. He's your friend when He will tend you with his love. Have you heard his pure love is unfailing? It fills all space, less far beyond the length and breadth of time. I believed him when he promised me his love. This tender 
as we come unto Christ and find the gift of his unfailing love for us. It is my hope and my prayer that you may be blessed likewise with an unfailing desire to do his work through you, to perform your labors of love, to discover your gift, to polish it, to perfect it, to bring it to him so that he might be able to use you in ways that you may not yet have fathomed that he can do so in not only your behalf, but in behalf of those who need your gift, who are praying for someone just like you to come into their life. As I close this podcast today, I do so with a song called The Gift. And this song is a song that I wrote when I lived in Kaysville many, many years ago as I was just being encircled with the messages of women in the scriptures. And it led me to write a song about my desire to lay down my weaknesses and the and the tattered edges of my own soul and to come unto him and to be strengthened that I could one day rise up and become a strength to be used in his hands. And that is the earnest desire of my heart and the desire that we can all seek to be, to have the gifts of God given to us and through us so that we might use them to benefit all of his children. I hope that you've been blessed by listening to this podcast today, the story she sings that I have entitled Water into Wine, which simply means to bring the gift that we would like to him, to the altar, and ask him to change that gift into a blessing to feed the multitude. This is Karen Lynn Grant with the stories she sings.
So 